This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. All right, welcome into episode 68 of Press Pass, brought to you by Bet Online and Untuck It. I'm Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Um, Joshua, how are you doing this morning? I'm well. Got a busy week ahead, so yeah. got to hit the ground running this week, but everything's good. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a week here, I'm not going to lie, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, as most of you who are listening to this podcast have probably heard, uh, we had a deadly tornado, I should say tornadoes, rip through Middle Tennessee this past week. I was asleep. My dad was still in town visiting um, my husband as well, and um, sirens went off about five or six times. Um, we definitely turned on, you know, our news station and, and got some updates. Um, at the time, we weren't being directly hit, but um, it did look like it was serious. But it wasn't until we woke up the next morning and turned on the news and saw how much damage these tornadoes had done that we realized how serious this was. Um, I had been in tornado situations before in Alabama, but nothing like this. Um it killed over 20 people. Um, it stayed on the ground for 60.13 miles, damaged multiple areas in Middle Tennessee, ravaged neighborhoods, um, businesses. And I was in the community this whole week and just telling stories, not necessarily sports, you know. Um, our sports team were, were great in terms of giving back, but I was more so in the community just trying to get people out to help these areas that really needed help. And I've never had a real connection with this city, to be honest with you. Um, but after this event, this unfortunate, tragic event, um, I feel this connection with the city and, and it's pretty incredible. And I just, I kind of wanted to share that with, with the listeners. Cause I think sometimes, um, you think like, oh yeah, you know, everywhere we go, we just, we love like, you know, where we are and all this stuff. And as well, while I love Nashville, I didn't have that connection until now. And, um, the, the community just, I can't, I can't even put into words how much I'm impressed with what they've done here. That's one thing I can kind of, uh, speak to mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, tragedy, natural disaster, etc. cetera. Uh, when I was, Real young, I lived in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we had a tornado that came through there, um, and it was the same thing. I mean, yeah. um, I don't, I don't know about a death toll, but just the the amount of um, you know property that was damaged. Like my parents' home, the roof was torn off. Essentially, we had these big pillars in the front 
um, that were missing, just like, you know, stuff you couldn't imagine. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say is how close the community was because the next day, one of the buildings that wasn't damaged was the elementary school that my older brother attended. And it wasn't mm-hmm. just the school children that showed up there. It was whole families um, that spent their day there because their homes were, you know, they were so torn apart. Um, and local businesses brought food. Um, you know, grocery store was bringing water and juice. And it really turned into a kind of a communal area for everybody to, to uh, you know, really reconvene and, and grieve and get their mind right and, and set a plan forth for what they were going to do in the recovery effort. But um, I can I can definitely understand how that experience would tie you in a lot closer to a city where maybe you didn't feel you had a strong connection uh, because yeah. now you get to understand the true character of the people and you get to understand truly uh, the fabric of that community and what it's really made of. So um, first off, I commend you for being out there and being in the community and being a helpful hand and being visible, but also... You know, I, I think that really does something to your soul in terms of how you can evolve a connection with the people in the community that you live in based off of something so tragic. Yeah, no, nicely said there. Um, nicely put. I, it's definitely something where I don't want anybody to ever have to experience anything like that. But you know what? God has plans for everything. And clearly um, this was a plan for a reason. So uh, just thoughts and prayers out to all those people in um, and in around the Nashville area. Continue your hard work. Um, definitely Nashville strong uh, moving forward. So we're going to get into a little bit of football talk. So Joshua, the combine, we we have seen the combine. It has gone. It is past. Um, but now you've got Pro Day. And Pro Day is going to be starting up here soon. I know some have Pro Day coming up at the end of March, some in early April. Now, I I know you've gone through this. And it's something where I don't think people understand the complete difference between the two, except for the fact of the location. And I think sometimes people can get confused too. If you're not invited to the combine, you just don't have a shot at really getting drafted. And that's completely false. 100% false. Pro Day is a great experience, again, for players to showcase their talent and their abilities in front of NFL teams. The main differences in Pro Day and the combine is uh, – that pro day is definitely a more comfortable day for the athlete uh, for a number of reasons that I'll get into later. And then um, during your pro day, you might not have as many eyes on you. Uh, For example, Kansas already had their pro day. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I think they might have only had, yep, yep. But they might've only had uh, one or two NFL prospects. So I don't know how many teams would have showed up to pro day for them. Um, The New England Patriots, for example, they show up to everybody's pro day. Literally, mm-hmm. um, they, they they go to small schools. That's impressive. Yeah, like they. I think the story was told this year that uh, Bill Belichick went down to maybe it was Middle Tennessee State before the combine to check out this defensive lineman that they had, defensive end, and drove to Indianapolis afterwards to watch the NFL combine because they they want to do research on everybody. And just an aside, my college roommate is an area scout for them. And so he's he's kind of told me why they're different than everybody else and why that uh, why he loves working for that organization. But one thing he said is um, every senior at every Division One program gets an evaluation. So they watch the tape on everybody. They do a write up on everybody um, who is a, a senior that could enter the draft um, because they want to have all that information. But in saying that, 
the combine is different, like I said, because it's such an uncomfortable scenario. When you get to pro day, um, you know, most of these teams have it at a a time that isn't where you're going to be up too early. Obviously, it's at your your old college facility, so you're very familiar when you're doing things like the 40 and bench press and vertical jump and broad jump, for example, a lot of times your strength coaches from your college will be the ones that are in charge of running those stations. So they're people that you've been around before that you're obviously very comfortable lifting around. And that's definitely helpful. And then you don't have all the meetings surrounding it. And I I don't think people understand how big of a mental strain that is, where then two, three days leading up to working out, you're talking to NFL teams nonstop, your brain is fried, and then you've got to be up and ready to go. Whereas you come in here and you're fresh. Now, after workouts, typically teams will grab guys, they'll take them into the meeting rooms and put them on the board and evaluate them there. But it's not until the workout is done, typically, that they want to do that. Now, I had Bill Sheridan, who was a linebacker coach with the Detroit Lions when I was coming out, who wanted to meet with me and Darren Lee at like 6.45 a.m. and you know, we obliged. That was miserable. I don't know why he wanted to do that for pro day, but <laughs> it is what it is. That's what you get into. And then, like I said, if you're at Ohio State, all 32 NFL teams are likely to be in attendance. We'll have some CFL teams out there. Um, you'll see the who's who of NFL. You know, head coaches will be there. GMs will be there. Um, and and it is really uh, an opportunity for a guy like Brandon Bowen, for example, who did not get a, a, a combine invite but was a starter for Ohio State, to be able to work out. And then you even get guys who were walk-ons. Kevin Wojcik, for example, is one guy who I know is going to work out with the O-line. And then we get guys who are with Dayton. Uh, we get guys from Ohio Dominican, um, you know, smaller school guys. or guys who went to small schools out of town but grew up in central Ohio. Uh, that will register to do pro day at Ohio State, which is a huge opportunity for them because, like I said, you know they'll get as as much exposure as if they were at the combine being at pro day at Ohio State. So, some main differences there: way less stressful, uh, very comfortable environment. Depends on where you're at, the amount of exposure that you get, but still a great opportunity to showcase your skills. Yeah, I have two different stories in terms of covering pro days and, and covering a team that had a lot of exposure and a team that didn't have much exposure, but really had some guys get some really good looks. And so when I covered Ohio State in Columbus for three years, it was the year that obviously Ezekiel Elliott and Joey Bosa were entering the draft. So I remember that combo or the, uh, the NFL Pro Day there, and it was unbelievable. And when you talk about all those teams being there, they were all there. And they weren't just all there, but it was like their big guys. It was all their coaches. You know, it was all the big wigs. And it was so crazy, like, just looking around. And because, you know, as a journalist, you you get access. And just seeing, like, some of these head coaches and and kind of watching the players and seeing, like, how they were reacting to, I mean, really a spectacle. And I think that might've even been televised a little bit. Um, yeah, it was. Of it, right. Was that? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so it, yeah. Was, Cause were you was, there? You were there, right? Just year. a lot. Yeah. That was your year. Okay. So that yeah. was your year. I mean, yeah, that was, just talk me, talk to me about that day and, and what it was like just to have, you know, that scene there. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, and you're absolutely right. It was televised. It was, it was one of those like you know, there's a lot of hype around it because everybody wanted to see these guys again. Um, some guys didn't work out as much at the combine, etc. So 
Um, you know, everything kind of descended upon Columbus. And I remember guys like Braxton Miller, for example, had like yep. film crews following him around. Yep. He was making like a, a day in the life type deal. And guys were pulling up to pro day in Teslas and Porsches <laughs> and Benzes, Beamers, you know, shoot at the time I was driving the Cadillac. So like we were all feeling sure. good about ourselves. Sure. And you're, I mean, you're right. It was who's who in Columbus. And it was the first time I ever saw Mike Tomlin up close in person. Yes. It was the first time I ever saw Bill Belichick up yes. close in person. You know, you, you see uh, Tom Telesco, who's the GM of the Chargers. You know, you're, you're seeing Pete Carroll and he has an Ohio State connection, obviously, but you're seeing that guy just roaming around the Woody. Um, I mean, literally, we had, I don't know, it, at least half of the head coaches out of the NFL. Yeah. Number of position coaches. I would say 17 or so GMs that were there. It was ridiculous. And then on top of that, like you said, we had ESPN, we had Big Ten Network, we had NFL Network. Everybody was coming to cover what was going on there. The and only this people. This was a pro day. This was a pro day. And the only people that weren't allowed, and, and you remember that too, because we had seating set up in there. Yes. They brought in bleachers for the amount of spectators because obviously we had families. So, like, my parents were there, and, you know, everybody was going to come and watch their kid work out at Pro Day. And then you had all the current players at Ohio State who wanted to see this going down. Then the media members, the only people who weren't allowed on the indoor field that day were agents because they got a strict no agent rule at the Woody. So they had to wait out in the uh, the Bigs Atrium. Um, I know you media people were very familiar with that yeah. area because that was kind of the workroom when you would come during spring practice. But outside of agents, literally everybody was there, and it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous the amount of hype that a damn pro day had. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I felt pretty cool uh, being over <laughs> being a reporter covering that day because you know as as a journalist and you know just kind of being in different areas I had covered college football in Auburn and Alabama in my first job but it, but it wasn't as big as those schools are for football it was my first job in sports and I didn't really really realize the full capacity of everything and Alabama wasn't very good at the time Saban had just got there so for me this pro day was um, just incredible because it was just like everything came to Columbus that day. And you knew the amount of talent that you guys had on that field. Yeah, it and was it ridiculous. Was, it was just, yeah, it was a really cool thing. But on the up, opposite side, Joshua, and like you said, these smaller schools, some of them come down to the pro days. Well, when I was in Montana, in Missoula, they have a really good program, FCS there, the Montana Grizzlies. And at the time... When I was covering football there, it was the best program. And we had a lot of guys come out of there. So I remember that pro day, my first pro day there. And um, for being a smaller school, it was a pretty decent, I guess, showing in terms of who came like scouts wise. And I remember I was on the field and I had covered this team, obviously. I knew a lot about this team. And I had agent come up to me and pretty much ask me, who would you choose and I remember him, the names too, Shan Schillinger or Mark Mariani. And I said, really, honestly, you want my opinion? And I straight up like gave my opinion on both who I both really liked. Um, and both, by the way, got drafted in like the seventh round. And it was so crazy because then I actually got to watch those two guys have a career while it was shorter. I mean, they both played in the NFL and it was kind of cool because it was like those guys were given an opportunity at their pro day to really make a difference. And for that, they were drafted. 
Yeah, and uh, I think it's really interesting. Like, I'll tell two stories. So, first one becomes um, Brandon Bowen from this year. So, here's a guy who, um, you know, got into the lineup at Ohio State. Now, big, big guy. They don't build guys as big as him. He's like, you know, six foot seven, 330 mm. pounds, um, solid guy, Samoan. So, you know, they're usually pretty well put together. Yeah. And here's a guy who broke into the lineup at Ohio State kind of rotationally. Um, playing like tight end fullback um, and then became a full-time starter. But in between there, he broke the hell out of his leg. You know, he's got a rod in his leg, uh, you know, like had to really recover from that. It was, it was a, a tough injury and worked his way back and became a very good starter for Ohio state. Got some questions about him in terms of his, um, his health and durability as a player. But uh, here's a guy who goes hard, is respected by his teammates, et cetera, et cetera. Did not get a combine in draft, but uh, uh, in draft invite to the combine. Uh, but he will be working out at pro day. It's going to be a big day for him, and I think uh, he'll have the opportunity to really showcase the teams what's going on. So even a guy who is on a big stage at a big school might need a platform like pro day. On the flip side, a cat who I've known since the sixth grade, name is Jalen Robinette. I played AAU basketball with him uh, when I was on Team Adidas throughout middle school. He went to Bexley High School, and then he earned a scholarship to play football at Air Force. When he was done at Air Force, he was given the opportunity to chase his NFL dream because he was a standout wide receiver for them. Mm -hmm. They don't do a pro day there. So he came back to Columbus and was invited to do pro day at Ohio State. And he made it into NFL training camp. Do not believe he was on NFL roster. Now I, I think he went AAF and then XFL route. Um, he's got to do still his um, his service with them. But he's a guy who, Central Ohio guy, extremely good athlete. He was good football, basketball, track athlete. Um, ended up going to a service academy to play football um, and, and really defined himself as one of the top wide receivers in his draft class and had the opportunity to come back to Columbus to work out at Pro Day because he couldn't do it at his own school. Like that is the benefit of these days. And everybody wants to put so much emphasis on the combine, but there are a lot of guys, Nate Ebner from Ohio state, for example, who get evaluated at a pro day and get a shot to be in the NFL. Nate Ebner turns into a standout on special teams, wins multiple Super Bowls, um, worked out at a pro day. Yeah. That's probably one of the best stories um, coming out of of a pro day situation. And, And that's why it means so much. And like Joshua, that's why I wanted you to go into that the differences between it, because I just think so many uh, more people have an opportunity to showcase their talent uh, right in front of those people that mean a lot and have a lot of say in that. Well, March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yes, that tournament. So make sure you head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 bracket madness contest starting March 15th. And remember the NBA and XFL still going strong. So whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account. Make sure that you use that promo code BLUEWIRE, that's all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So, Spring Ball, oh my goodness, is it right around the corner? And you, we off, off. I guess, record, we were talking before this. And I thought it was funny because the first thing you said is, 
oh god like you just kind of sighed and was like <laughs> oh my goodness so uh so what's all this disgruntle about the uh spring ball here joshua gosh it is one of the most just uh, I, so I'll, I'll tell the story ohio state started spring ball um last week on monday mm-hmm. wednesday i went to the woody with one of my former teammates uh to watch spring ball practice i live north of the city so i've got to come down route 23 i got to get on 315 and then i'll take 315 to the ackerman road exit to get to the woody for those of you who are familiar with columbus as soon as I got on 315, I immediately started having a little bit of a panic attack and some anxiety because I can just remember my experiences as a player wow. walking into spring ball. So here's the deal. They practice in the morning for yeah, spring ball. Yeah, I remember ball. that. So wake up call, 515, be in the facility no later than 615. It's loud. They've got music on. They're force feeding your breakfast and Gatorades in the morning. Then you got to stumble into meetings, you know, wake yourself up a little bit. If you're a young player, spring ball is the worst. So if you're a young player, coach is going to put you on the spot in the meeting. They're going to ask you questions. They're going to make sure you're paying attention. You know, don't even look like you're tired. If you yawn, they're going to call you out. That'll be special teams meeting first. And you go to position meetings. The position meeting is the same thing. A ton of content that they have to fit into a small amount of time because spring practice is very limited in terms of how much time you can spend in the classroom and on the field. And then you go to practice and it's a ton of drill work. It's a ton of up-tempo work, et cetera, et cetera. And if you're a young player, you're getting a million reps. Like my first, I I did four spring balls because I graduated early. My first two were as miserable as could be. My third one wasn't bad. And my last spring ball, I was cruising. It was, it was great. I was chilling. Didn't get a ton of reps. The issue that Ryan Day is having, not necessarily an issue, it's a, it's a great problem to have, is he doesn't want to he doesn't want to burn his guys out during spring ball because so many young players got a ton of reps because they blew everybody out. And so he's got to find that balance. But the, the main goal of spring ball is to, number one, develop young players. Mm-hmm. This is a time where you can get them a ton of reps because you're not worried about getting your starters necessarily ready to play game reps. Number two goal of spring ball is to uh, be able to bring your team closer together. And I think that is one of the most important aspects of the spring in general, is you have time to really focus on the core of your team and who your leaders are going to be and how you're going to pull yourself together for the fall. And so Ryan Day has a unique plan with that. He's kind of changed things up a little bit. And he's, he's trying to really put guys, certain guys in a pressure cooker He's really trying to build up his guys who he knows are leaders in a different way. But those are the two main objectives. And a lot of times you get it done through a ton of reps and um, putting guys in, in hard situations. And I can think back, one of the things we used to do on full scrimmage days in the spring, which are typically Saturdays, was we would finish with a, uh, a red zone and short yardage scenario. So what the red zone scenario did was it would put your, you know, your second string quarterback throwing to your second string wide receiver in the mm-hmm. red zone against the number one defense and see if either one of those guys can throw the back shoulder fade to make the play to win the game. And then what it would do is it would put your your number two linebacker against Ezekiel Elliott on the goal line and see if he can make that tackle for the game winning stop. And it was it was a legitimate way to simulate those game situations that you really can't get a ton of work at and see which guys rise to the occasion in those moments. Well, while the I guess positional battles don't happen more so till fall. 
I just would, I just wonder like when you come in and you are younger, I mean, we all have our mindset when we're younger, like we're going to be the best, you know, we're going to compete for this. We have a legitimate chance. And I mean, everyone should think that when they're trying to battle for a position in anything in life. But did you, did you ever have this thought or do you know that others have this thought that when they come in, their mindset is already even in spring ball, like I'm going to stand out. Yeah. And that, that has to be your mindset. Like regardless of whether you truly have a chance to compete or not, you better go in there thinking, okay, I'm going to win this job or else you're going to get passed up. And the position battles start in spring ball. A lot of times I can remember rolling into my sophomore year. We had some position battles at the linebacker spot. Um, I won the Sam linebacker job, but we played a ton of nickels. So I didn't play a lot of Sam. So uh, coach Fickle encouraged me to learn the Mike linebacker spot and go and try to take that from somebody else, uh, which I ended up doing by the end of the year. And and how it really started working was I was playing Sam linebacker. We were playing a ton of nickel. So the Sam backer typically comes off when the nickel, which is the fifth defensive back comes in. So that's not a lot of playing time, especially in today's game where they're throwing the ball a ton. Coach said, go learn the Mike backer. So a lot of times in that nickel package, you'll switch out the Mike backer for a more athletic guy. So about, you know, three, four, five games into the year, I started switching out to become the nickel Mike linebacker. So we had a Mike linebacker in our base. So I was on the field in base coverage and the other Mike linebacker was on the field in base. When we played nickel, I would move over to the Mike linebacker spot and the nickel would come in and be the Sam. So I was still able to be on the field for all those reps. And then by the end of the year, I became the base Mike linebacker. And so that battle started in spring where I couldn't win the job outright and it continued into the fall. This year, there are going to be a ton of battles. The defensive backs, they're going to have some battles back there because Ohio State lost some guys to the NFL. Ohio State also had some guys get in trouble. So we're going to have to figure out who is going to play in the back end of that defense. Linebackers are going to be a couple battles. They got some guys who are battle tested and cemented, but the thing about that room is they're so deep right now. You know, they've got six guys. They've got six guys who could Jeez. legitimately play division one linebacker um, at a high level. So it's, it's going to be tough for them to figure out what that rotation is along the defensive line. They've got a couple of spots in the interior uh, to really figure out. And then they've got to, um, they've got to figure out who's going to be, the new Chase Young, and I think Zach Harrison's going to be the guy that they've tabbed there. Quarterback, they figured out, but for running back, Master Teague got injured, so he's out for an extended amount of time. J.K. Dobbins is gone, and the last year or so, they really haven't been able to recruit that standout five-star backer, so they're going to have a battle, but they're also going to have some guys they need to develop. Now, the good thing is, for their next recruiting class 2021, they've got two guys that are, I think, the number one, number two running back that'll be coming in so they can battle it out there um, next year. And then wide receivers, um, they've got young guys who just need to develop. But these position battles, they start early, um, and and they'll continue until fall sometimes. And it's really unique to see how they play out because the guy who might be the front runner during the spring doesn't always end up winning that job in the fall. Yeah, that's what's so interesting. If if you've ever, like, followed a college program or obviously you being a player, I – covering teams like this I actually really enjoy the position battles and sometimes it going down um, to the wire and that even happens in the NFL too with some of these positions Um, so it's definitely something I enjoy I know the players might not enjoy it as much but um, it gives us something to talk about 
especially in the media. Well, ever wondering why traditional button-ups look so long and baggy? That's because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Untucked shirts were specifically designed to be worn well untucked. So no matter what your size or shape, their shirts are perfect at that untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look good on tall, short, slim, athletic guys of all ages. So don't just take my word for it. Uh, try untuck it for yourself. Visit untuckit.com. Use that code BLUEWIRE for 20% off your first order. Then uh, they even offer free shipping. So returns on all orders in the U.S. free. That is untuckit.com and promo code BLUEWIRE for your 20% off your first order. Okay, we're going to wrap things up. Now, my apologies, Joshua, this week because I didn't get it out there. Um, But I wanted to know if you had any questions coming your way because if you are listening for the first time, Joshua um, is very active when it comes to social media, and we've kind of made this a thing at the end of our podcast that he's going to answer some of your questions. And it doesn't, we don't really have like, I guess, a set formula on this. He, they can pretty much ask you whatever they want, right? Yeah, they can ask anything, honestly. Yeah, exactly. So do, do we have anything from this week, Joshua? I have one question. Um, I don't okay. have my Twitter pulled up, so I'm sorry for whoever asked this because you're not getting your handle shouted out. My apologies. <laughs> See, this is part of it too, you guys. You get your handle shouted out by Joshua. I'll, I'll, I'll tag you in the tweet See? Uh, that comes out with the show, so you'll get it there. But the question basically was, um, do you think the XFL has staying power and uh, what what can they do to enhance that staying power potentially? And so kind of a two-parter there. And I think the the answer to the first part is yes, but, or yes, if. <laughs> so, for example, my guy, Cardale Jones, um, was great for the XFL um, early on. He's had some troubles lately, but having a, a name like that, people recognize from national championship team in college who's making plays was really, really good. Uh, I think the XFL has devoted vast resources to its TV product. So you get people from ESPN that we all know and, and recognize as not you know, me, who has never called a game before out there trying to call an XFL game, you have people who have been on college football broadcasts or NFL broadcasts that are calling these games uh, through ESPN and Fox, which I think um, definitely enhances the product. I believe the rule changes that have gone on, uh, people enjoy specifically um, that conference that you get with with the officials. When they're officiating some of these calls, you understand what they're looking at and what the criteria is which is uh, something that people want in the NFL. They want that transparency. So from that regard, um, I believe that the XFL is succeeding. Now, where I think they'll struggle and what I think they need to do to have staying power is they need to find the – they need to be able to pay guys to take a chance to not play in the NFL. And they need to make it exciting for those guys too. Like They need to find a guy who was a name in college who is a legitimate backup in the NFL – um, they need to pay that guy, you know, a million bucks a year, let's say, and then say, we're going to make you the face of the league. So any endorsements, any sponsorships, give it all to that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like they yep. need to, they need to make an, an incentive and, and a nice package for some pretty good, not necessarily great players. Cause they'd be in the NFL, but you want, like, you want to try to get a pretty good player to be in that league because nobody wants to watch bad football, even when there's not good football on. And I think that's where the XFL might be falling off. And it's hard positionally outside of quarterback because these guys are only making, you know, like 50,000 bucks a season or whatever. And a lot of these guys for $50,000 a year would say, I'm better off on an NFL practice squad 
Um, so if they have any eligibility for that left, that's exactly what they're going to do. So in saying that, XFL, I think they, they've done a good job getting out of the gates. I think they've devoted some resources to making a very pretty product. Um, I think having exciting players like the way Cardale started off early was really good. But in order to truly be a league that has staying power, they got to find a way to get good players, good enough players in there to where the football is good and it's entertaining because bad football just ain't going to get the job done. Yep. And it's something that we've seen in the past. It is it is hard to sustain interest, right? It's, it's hard to have people be interested for more than just a short period of time. So it, it doesn't stop here. I mean, they're going to have to keep on finding ways to make it relevant and probably just when they do have some of those guys that are um, becoming guys that stick out in terms of personalities, they might want to market them a little bit. So, um, you know, have them do some commercials, have them do some, some fun stuff, because that is kind of the difference between the NFL and this league is they are showcased a little bit more um, even throughout the game. So great advice there. Get your questions in to Joshua this next week. I promise I'll do a better job at getting it out there. Since that wasn't this week your fault. <laughs> this week shouldn't be as crazy. So that does it for this episode of Press Pass. Um, thanks, you guys, all for, for listening. And for those of you who are new listeners, we hope you continue to listen. Um, this is really the slow period of time for us, but I think there's always something to talk about when it comes to college football and anything kind of surrounding football. So we're going to start getting into the NFL draft soon, which will be really, really cool um, to discuss. That's happening in Las Vegas this year. And then before we know it, it's going to be football season. So crazy. It just never really stops. The grind always continues. Um, You can go and follow us um, at or on Instagram, excuse me, at press pass pod. Follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on Instagram and on Twitter. And then Joshua, like I was saying, send him your questions. Where can they follow you? My friend. At RIP underscore JEP on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, hit me up with some good questions. I know last week we had a couple of good ones. This week we had one really good one, but we need a little bit more than that to end the show out. So, yeah, we out. need him to put his thinking cap on for real. Like, I, I want you guys to pick his brain because Joshua can like just talk about anything. So, feel free to just, you know, go out there on a limb. <laughs> Do it. Uh, Yeah, right? Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll be here next week, same place, same time. Take care.